This episode of The Smoke Pit brought to you by The Nut Ruck by Arbor Arms. The tactical fanny pack for your nuts and your butts. Check it out at arborarms.com. Tell them The Smoke Pit sent you. Welcome to The Smoke Pit. Hey. What up, Doe? Back again for another fantastic episode, this time with a uh, fantastic guest. Uh, all our guests before were trash. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have like Medal of Honor <laughs> recipient, Kyle Carpenter. Hey, what's Go. up, guys? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm not going to lie. My heart was beating really fast because I didn't want to mess up and accidentally say uh, Chris Kyle. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you uh, you got the the background of of that uh, that story last week, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's actually um, uh, a little bit of what kind of led to this dialogue. Uh, I made a post on Instagram um, that was kind of referencing the the difference of college stress and war stress. Uh, sometimes a lot of veterans try to discount college. They're like, oh, you know, if you serve in the military, college is nothing. But that's not always the case. And, um, you know, uh, Kyle was kind enough to uh, give us his thoughts on that. And uh, it actually sparked a, a, a very interesting discussion. You know, I saw this post that, that you put up and uh, the question posed was interesting because uh, I haven't really got one like that before. Um, and specifically kind of analyzing stress on both sides of it and even more specifically when you get out as a veteran. And so, uh, yeah, I decided to give my two cents. And, um, you know, I absolutely loved school. I loved everything about it. Um, I learned a lot, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I'm very thankful for. Um, it did require, uh, at the beginning, a lot of patience. Yeah. I say that because almost weekly, sometimes daily, you know, people would come up and, you know, I was so appreciative for the support and the love, even if they didn't really know what military or veteran life was about. You know, they knew I was that guy that had served and got injured and I was their, you know, fellow classmate and uh, they came up and, you know, it was a great four years in the sense of I did feel very loved and supported. Yeah, because there was a, uh, your actual citation picture uh, when you were uh, awarded the medal. Like, I got to say, dude, you had that million-dollar smile. Like, right, yeah. A lot of us were just like, damn, man, like, I don't even look that good in the morning, let alone after <laughs> you know, dozens and dozens of surgeries. Hey, well, Walter Reed put Humpty Dumpty back together again very well. <laughs> so I think they made me look a little better than before. But uh, Now, quick question. Yeah. Do you think your medical team, with you know, all their skill and you know, all their uh, amazing miracle-working talents, do you think they could put Mike Sensi's liver back together? <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's too far gone. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but... Uh, you know, about school, like, you know, first and foremost, it was just like amazing, but it was difficult. You know, half the times I got approached either being called Chris Kyle or, you know, another one that took those deep breaths was when they would come up and after we got talking, they would say something to the effect of, hey, you're that guy that won the Purple Heart. And from the conversation surrounding that question, not only, you know, and, and I don't really fault people for saying you won the Purple Heart because if you're not a veteran, if you haven't served, 
there's just things that people don't know. And yeah, it's not like you went into the gas station, put down a dollar and scratched off a ticket. And you're like, Oh yeah. Three purple hearts. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, I did receive it. And so, uh, and so what would you say the difference are between the, uh, the two different types of stress? Because uh, in my experience with a little bit of college that I've done, like firefights and stuff like that, it's very in the moment. It's very like you're passive. You're just a passenger on a roller coaster. And when it's over, it's over. But with, with college, it's kind of like that final is like looming on the horizon. Like a, Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, veteran or not, everyone feels that. I was in a unique position. I mean, starting full-time college two weeks after three years in the hospital. Now that can be looked at as like, whoa, like complete, just drastic change of environment. Yeah. You know, you name it. But because I spent that long in the hospital and because for three years I laid there while I watched all of my friends, you know, everyone that I knew, everyone around me, my entire world kept spinning without me and kept going on. So to see all my friends who were in that primetime college years, because I had chose the path of service, they continued on with their civilian life and, and going on to go to school after high school, which is amazing. You know, I can't fault them for that. I just had that different path. So I say that to say when I got to where I not only completed my med boards, but I drove out of the gate of Walter Reed after yeah. three years it was like just not only was it incredible because all of that was behind me and I had pushed through all those surgeries every day of therapy. And I, I felt like I had really just made it through the fire. By the time it got to like go to school, I was so happy. I was excited. <laughs> like I kind of got my life back, like to wake up every day and think, wow, like I don't have another surgery to, to look towards next I don't have to go to therapy for four hours today like all I have to do is go to the library for three or four hours a day and go to class I mean I crushed my entire day by the time most of my classmates even woke up yeah and so uh you know but it was also very tough because being a veteran being a little older I also felt pressure, you know, I couldn't just go to school. I also felt pressure to focus on and, you know, not my main priority, but focus on and make my professional life my priority as well. I lived most of my college years through airports and trying to go speak to people and do events. Um, But, you know, when it just came down to the schoolwork and and, uh, those little conversations that, uh, you know, when, whether it was saying you won the purple heart and really they were referring to the medal of honor, you know, whatever it was, uh, you know, I quickly had to think about it and I realized that, okay, in those moments and take, you know, Chris Kyle won the purple heart, whatever, you know, in any situation in life, yeah, we all have our own unique path, our own you know, what we've been through, our own lessons that we've learned. And again, we can't expect those around us. And we can't get frustrated when people don't know what what we know. 
And so I quickly had to kind of look myself in the mirror and decide like, okay, this is obviously going to go on for the next four years and probably for the rest of my life. So I had to decide like, okay, in that moment, I could either get fed up, irritated, mad, impatient, and potentially not only fix the problem because they still wouldn't know what, what was upsetting or what they needed to know or the correct terminology. Just your kind of your I, outlook of how to deal with that. Well, I, I could have kind of ruined that moment for them forever. Yeah. But they could have left that like, Oh, that's the asshole veteran that like got mad at me because I didn't know like exactly what a purple heart was, or I didn't know that you didn't win it. So I decided to not only fix the problem, but to also help any veterans that that person could potentially present this same situation with in the future, you know, to help them and not keep the problem perpetuating. I just decided to, you know, use those moments as an educational opportunity instead of something that, you know, just walking up to them and going, correct yourself (laughs) with with a knife hand. (laughs) So I have a question based on that. Yeah. It, it, from, from everything I can tell, you're an all-around good guy. And so, so that's, that's an appreciable thing. But my real question is this. How the hell do you still have abs? <laughs> like, <laughs> my, my understanding of it is this, is that at some point, like, you, you had all these surgeries and all this physical therapy, I'd imagine, and stuff you had to do. And then you said, fuck it, I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah, bro, like just like months after you finish your, uh, your, your, uh, your medical treatment, right? Right, yeah. and then not I only did you not. run the marathon, but then you were like, okay, that shit was weak, so I need to jump, I need to parachute into <laughs> the marathon and then run a second one. Like, I don't, I, I don't like running at all. Like, the only reason I'm not way fatter than I am right now is because my job requires me to take a PRT. <laughs> Yeah, so like they, running could suck it, and you're like, "Ha, I love running so much. I'm going to do it twice." No, it's definitely no, no. Not he did that. three marathons. It's definitely not that. I don't recommend it. I hate running. <laughs> you know, I, yes! I'm with you. I'm with uh, you. 100%. I hate <laughs> running so much. I just skydive into marathons. It looks super cool and handsome. Like that's going to be the quote we put on the blurb. <laughs> Kyle Carpenter, I hate running. <laughs> yes. No, but uh, you know. With the marathon, uh, it was like just an incredible experience, but at the same time, equally as painful and just, I mean, very mentally and physically difficult. But, you know, the, the reason the whole marathon came up was when I was laying in the hospital bed early on and I had just woken up, couldn't use my arms. They were tied up to my bed. Uh, I was breathing through, you know, my trach a tube. Uh, and really I was hanging on and just trying to breathe and survive to the next moment. And And that sounds like me running just normally. (laughs) Like I'm at one, (laughs) 1.2 miles and that's exactly how I feel. I don't know if you saw this, but he posted a video of him running and it was very much like, like Blair, Witch. like he's running, he's like, yeah, I'm trying to get fit. And he almost like eats it with a branch. Yeah, because my girlfriend runs marathons, and so like I'm, I'm trying to eventually get oh, to a see, half man, marathon you, you, with you, her. You can't tell people that. Just, just, <laughs> just stick with your. You're trying to improve. 
No, like I'm, I'm just trying to get, <laughs> I'm trying to eventually run like a, a half marathon because I was waiting at the finish line for her first one. And it was just like, I'm just sitting here. I'm just like, man, I feel like a huge turd, like just sitting here for four hours while she's out running. Just, you know, fucking parachuting into them. But so there I was waiting for her at the, at the finish line. And, you know, so although I personally felt like a turd for not running, uh, she could not express how appreciative she was knowing that she had that support and uh, going through uh, your book, uh, you're worth it. Uh, you really talk about how important your family and your community and your faith and all those things were to, uh, you know, to helping you move past the one moment to accomplish you know, all these amazing things afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am, especially after my journey, I am a firm believer and you only get so far in life on your own and to really reach your full potential. It, I believe it is the people around you you know, your mindset and how hard you work, but really the people around you that love and support you and in those very low moments tell you that, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, we're going to be here as long as it takes to get you through this and out of this bed. So I'm just, you know, even though I made uh, part of my book a priority of that, expressing how appreciative I was for all those people, you know, even the the you know, janitors in the hospital, like all those people played an integral part and an important part in allowing me to be right here in this moment today. And so I'm just so, I still don't feel like I, I gave enough credit, but I, I tried to as thoroughly as possible. And, uh, you know, along with that, uh, kind of going back, but also still tying in to that long and difficult road, you know, that marathon, uh, did I believe it was an attainable goal when I said it? I cannot honestly say yes, but in my lowest point, I thought, okay, obviously I'm knocked down right now, but what is something I can either think about or look forward to or a goal I can set and work towards that if I do it and accomplish it, I will prove to myself that I'm not only back to being Kyle and how capable I was before, but what's something that even though I'm missing an eye now, my eardrums are blown out, I can't use my arms, what is something I can do that if I did it, I could prove to myself that I've excelled even better than I was before? And I thought, I'm going to try to maybe one day cross the finish line of a marathon. And when I did that, I mean, I had chills right now. It was just, you know, that and walking across the stage at graduation. I mean, yep. just, you know, I was, I think I was just so kind of proud of myself. But also, I, after over three years earlier setting that goal, I crossed that finish line and, you know, just, you know, my my journey has a lot of pieces and parts, but kind of those moments were the two that I can kind of claim as mine. And I worked hard. I put in the pain, time, and effort. And when I crossed that finish line, you know, I got emotional because it was, I did exactly what I wanted to in setting that goal. And that was to to prove to myself and myself alone. I didn't care about anyone else. I didn't care if I finished in eight hours or five hours. Uh, I just, 
I just had to do it and I did it. And I'm so thankful for that. And it really taught me, you know, one of my favorite lines in the book is the, the uh, smallest of steps eventually completes the grandest of journeys. And, you know, in writing this book, I waited as long as I did because I wanted to have some substance in behind the lessons that I was teaching. You know, there's nothing worse than someone that tells you, Oh, you got to do this. Oh, you need to wake up and run three miles every morning. You need to whatever. And they haven't done it themselves. And I think a part of that came from so many people visiting me, you know, very thankful, but whether it was politicians, whether it was celebrities, athletes, so many people would come through the halls of Walter Reed. Amazing. We're, you know, we're very thankful for that, but they would all say, Hey, you're going to get through this. You're going to get better. You're going to be out of here in no time. I mean, yes, I believe that was true. <laughs> I hope that to be true, but it's like, you aren't laying in a hospital bed. Yeah. You know, you never spent three years in the hospital. Like, so I just, I didn't want that vibe to come off when I wrote this book. So I wanted everything, all the lessons that I tried to also not kind of preach. I just tried to say, Hey, this is what I went through. This is the mentality I had. This is what happened and the lessons I learned from it and kind of write it in a way that just lets people take what they want from it. But I'm very thankful that I accomplished a lot of those goals, including the marathon. So, yeah. you know, people could really say like, oh, he's not just saying it. Yeah, and that was um, You're Worth It, available on hardback and audio book and Kindle. Uh, first off, uh, Kyle, thanks so much for doing this. Usually we have guests on that talk about, you know, the largest women they've been with or their favorite bar fights, but you are like bringing me to tears. I'm not even kidding. So thanks so much. Uh, I have two quick questions for you. Uh, when you left the military and joined uh, college, you pledged to a fraternity. Do you just like being tortured from being a Marine to joining a frat? Or is the hazing quite the same? What was that experience like being a vet? Uh, yeah, that's... That that was an interesting one. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it was completely unexpected. I uh, I saw this guy um, out one night, and he had on uh, this crazy like golf outfit. And uh, he comes up to me, and he was like hardcore military history, like knew my whole story, oh. really cool, and. Uh, and he kind of proceeded to talk about maybe hanging out like next day over the next week. And I was thinking, man, if you dress like this all the time, like, I don't know. And so uh, he said, no, no, man, I'm just, I'm coming from a function. Like it's cool. Everyone's dressed up like in golf stuff, whatever. And I didn't know really about any of this. And so mm. I kept talking to him and um, he said uh, like, Hey, come out to the house for dinner and I'll meet some of the guys. And it was just completely, uh, not what I expected. I mean, I walk in, they're having dinner. Some guys are playing pool. Some are watching Sports Center, and just mm -hmm. really, you know, really good dudes. And so uh, I thought about it, and you know, they kept they kept, you know, begging me, almost like in a respectful, like you know, we want to like say thank you by doing this, which sounds like oh, really a fraternity? But you know, it's what they had, it's what they could offer, right, and, right, a part of it, and something that they had worked hard to build. And so, um, so I went by a couple more times for dinner and, uh, you know, of course they, they said, uh, you know, absolutely. You don't have to do anything like, you know, we'll just initiate you like, which, mm -hmm. you know, thankfully because 
I was absolutely not gonna have any yeah, yeah. that anyway. Like I wasn't about to try to earn my stripes, you know. Yeah, exactly. A thousand percent. And they were so, like, "Do uh, this stupid thing," and you're like, "Bro, come on." Yeah. So I mean, they 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 understood where I was coming from, and and of course they didn't even agree. You know, they just they were almost like caught off guard that I was even thinking that it might happen, and so. It's like yeah. when you take an unfortunate girl home and she's act, acting like she's doing you a favor. You're like, really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> clearly I'm doing you the favor here. <laughs> and so, I feel attacked. Uh, yeah. But, you know, over the, the next few years, uh, it was cool because I had a lot of these, uh, like, mentor moments. Mm. And I got a lot of questions that I don't think are brought up in fraternities a lot. Like, hey, what do you think about hazing? Like, how is it like in the military? And I got to take those opportunities to say like, you know, hazing is never good. And I think very few times is it ever like really constructive. And so I not only relayed that, but I said, you know, in the military, like it can be argued, does hazing to a certain degree make sense or not? Or do you agree or disagree mm-hmm. with it? But I said here at college, I said, I said, you know, you're hazing without a purpose. You're hazing without a lesson at the end of the tunnel. Right. You're just pretty much like beating people down mentally and physically and not bringing them back up. So what I'm hearing is that college hazing should be like, do this math equation while you do this beer funnel. <laughs> uh, there's I a mean, purpose there. Yeah, yeah, there's a purpose. And I would not argue with that approach. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I would just say that I think hazing a lot of times can be turned into like we would do in the barracks or like, you know, we would do in small school circles out in the middle of the woods, just training. I think it, you know, for your organization and for the individual mentally and emotionally, I, you know, I believe that to just sit someone down and talk to them calmly and tell them not only where they messed up or what they did wrong, but also give them the tools to fix that problem or to become better or learn something new. So, you know, are there times that it can help and you can really get the point across in the military? Yes. But outside of learning lessons that will help you with life and death situations, you know, I just, I, I was heavily against it and I let them know that. And I think over time, you know, I hope that over those years, I planted seeds to kind of change the culture. Yeah, no, I, I obviously am not a part of this fraternity, but I guarantee you did. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is your sense of humor, man. Like, I, at what point after your service and after you went through, like, I followed you on social media forever. Like, you're really a genuinely funny person. Uh, you're Thanks, self-deprecating. Man. Like, you share, you share the correct amount of memes. Like, you're killing the game. But I mean, even your handle chicks, big scars, like it's all funny. At what point did you say, okay, I'm comfortable enough to not only joke about this, but put it out publicly? Man, that's a great question. And one I have never got before. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
you know, this answer can apply to like a few different aspects of my recovery and waking up. But Mm -hmm. I think the easiest way or most simplistic way to put it is, you know, when I faded from consciousness and I felt myself bleeding out on that rooftop, Mm-hmm. you know i thought that was it like i i knew in my mind i said my last prayer like i thought about my family and my mom how devastated that she was going to be that i didn't make it home and i mean really like i truly knew that that was it yeah so i say that to say when i woke up you know there could have been two paths you know i got told hey you know, because I was out for five weeks. So when I woke up, I didn't have any sense, not only of where I was, my injuries, like I didn't know I was blind in one eye. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that my right eardrum was completely blown out and I couldn't hear out of it. You know, through the medication and just the trauma, it was like, you know, what is going on? But, you know, with all that said, every kind of realization or piece of information told to me, you know, whether it was you lost your eye, your arms are completely shattered, you're going to be here for three years. You know, with every bit of that, I could have easily said, oh, wow, like worse, worse, worse news. It just keeps coming. Mm -hmm. But to have felt what I thought were those final moments, when I did wake up, all of those realizations were not you know, downers, it was, it was more like everyone just showed me how incredible it was that I even woke up and that I was still here. And so, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, my doctors and my parents still talk about how funny it was. Like, you know, I was joking with the doctors asking them if they knew what they were doing before big surgery happened, (laughs) you know, like, I, I, the first kind of ones I remember, and there was like many weeks after I woke up that I don't remember anything. But uh, one of the first times I had a uh, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Uh, Bachelor, and I mean, top five surgeons in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. you name it, he's done it. He's done it successfully and he is incredible. Uh, but he's kind of one of those people that's so serious. Even when you joke, you don't really get a smile. Yeah. So, and, you know, also to add, before, you know, I was like mega boot when I got injured. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't know there was any med- like military medicine above a corpsman. Like, I didn't know there were military <laughs> surgeons, you know, whatever, like all across the spectrum, anything medical, there is a military profession for it. And so to wake up and have associated your whole life with people in white doctor coats Mm. and now you have this person in camis which camis signified to me lance corporals around the smoke pit you know (laughs) to be like you know i think i was half genuine and half serious half joking and half serious when i would say like hey you know do you know what you're doing are you qualified for this (laughs) bachelor he didn't get any humor out of it, but it was kind of my way of just, I think, breaking the ice, but also, you know, really kind of wanting to know, like, all right, do you know what you're doing? Like, this could be yeah. 
this could be, if this doesn't go right, you know, I could come out of this and I could be in surgery 12 hours from now to get my arm amputated. So it was kind of, you know, like military humor, like it's tough, but you, you, you do it to, for a few different reasons, but you know, whichever reason, you know, why at the time, uh, who knows, but you know, the humor, uh, and just always trying to find the silver lining and positivity in things, you know, help get me through those long, dark and painful nights. Yeah, yeah cause, uh, absolutely. according to, uh, to your book, uh, even your first patrol, uh, in Afghanistan, like, uh, it was, didn't even go that well. Um, you, you actually got, you got shot on your very first patrol. <laughs> like 20 minutes outside the wire. Like, <laughs> of, course, of course. So it was like a, a like a ricochet or something. It, it didn't, it just left a nasty bruise. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a ricochet. I was, uh, I was posting up security behind my saw. Uh, and as you said, first patrol, like, first half hour out of the wire. Uh, I was at the very end of this road. I was the last man holding security. And uh, I was up against the only time I have, I ever laid prone in Afghanistan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because learn that lesson. <laughs> dude, when the rounds started coming in, I just like, I vividly remember not being able to look down or like through my scope to try to acquire any sense of sight because so many rounds were hitting around me that just the dust cloud enveloped me. And I was laying about two or three feet in front of uh, a kind of a side of a mud compound wall. And uh, yeah, one of those rounds hit that wall, I guess hit a rock or something hard in the wall and uh, ricocheted down. And of course it caught me not only did I get hit, but of course it caught me in like the three inch gap in between your <laughs> plate carrier and your belt. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was, uh, like a really bad paintball hit, which I had taken many times growing up. So, uh, I was just like really scared and bummed that I was about to potentially be pulled out of the fight before it really even began. And I was just scared that, uh, you know, I was, even though it wasn't my choice, I was going to leave, you know, my buddies there was such like a minor thing. Like that would yeah. really tore me up. So I'm thankful it didn't penetrate, but, uh, yeah, it, it was a nice sore reminder for about <laughs> the next week or two. Yeah. And, uh, speaking of which you, um, you know, you, you're a fellow saw gunner like, uh, AJ and myself, and we're, we're both kind of bigger guys, but we noticed that was, uh, a, um, abnormality that generally it's some sort of sick game in the marine corps where the so smallest sick. guys get the get sick the, game. <laughs> the, the you, you them, it's toughening them up toughening them up man yeah. you got to give them the, the larger weight because you're like all right little dude obviously you're not going to fight your way out of this so <laughs> give me some like serious firepower yeah but you know kyle uh you know he broke state state records for uh weightlifting when when he was high like you, mm-hmm. you played sports like dude was strong it's just kind of it's just insult to injury like it's it's bad enough trying to keep up with you know long ass bitches like AJ on uh, on hikes, and then they're like, oh, here take the saw instead of an M4. Don't don't say the H word. Don't say the H word, <laughs> please. Yeah, man, my legs like three or four steps for every uh, every one that my my team leader made. But uh, <laughs> you know, at first, uh, and 
you know, a little bit in me still thinks that it was evil and that they were just doing it because I was the smallest guy. Um, yeah, when I took over my squad in 29 Palms, I got there and the three saw gunners were all the, the shortest Hispanic guys. And I was like, no, I was like, I had three <laughs> corn fed farm boys from the Midwest. So I was like, no, you three are the saw gunners now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and my team leader who I talk about when it's Corporal Heinz, who I talk about in the book, Dude, he was like 6'4". And on the way over to <laughs> Afghanistan, we're like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm telling him, like, man, when we get there, dude, you, you better stay nice, low, and tight, and move <laughs> fast because your ass is going to be the first one to get hit. Makes it through multiple deployments, not a scratch <laughs> on him. And here I am, get shot on the first patrol, and four months in, I get hit by a grenade. So, uh that's yeah, that's crazy. Didn't go as planned, but um, but you know, thanks to the uh, you know the amazing work of your your corpsman, uh, you know, uh, reading your book. I mean, that guy, he was just an absolute stud. Oh yeah, incredible. Yeah, and he's, so he's the man. What happened? Uh, uh, where where's he at these days? Uh, he actually, so he had uh, done. A, he did a couple more deployments after the one that I got hit on. Uh, he got out. He went to Florida State. Got his degree. And uh, last week, I believe, yep. he actually swore uh, back into uh, uh, OCS, right? Yeah, yeah, OCS. Um, yeah, Marine Corps. He, uh, he was kind of back and forth just because he was wanting to go, uh, or his plan for a little while was to go back in the Navy as a, a doc to help train other corpsmen like he was, um, you know, back in the day but uh yeah he's doing incredible he's gonna be officer you know leading leading from the front but i mean he is a really uh good dude and obviously just from the book from a medical standpoint i mean at, after the 24 hours of everything that happened at patrol base dakota i mean there were times that he had uh the blood of five different marines on his camis and uh he just kept you know going out on patrols going out in case anyone needed him and uh you know he was a man he was a great corpsman and he's just as good of a person and friend now is he uh is he a bit of a recluse or or can we name him uh no no i i mean yeah he's a little bit of a recluse but we should definitely still name him yeah so uh, <laughs> uh do you want to give him a shout out <laughs> yeah yeah uh doc christopher friend uh thanks for everything man yeah, I was wanting to make the joke, um, you know, like when, when you're waiting for your, your evac and he was taking care of you, was was he like, you got a friend in me? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he said I, I that hope, every time he gave out a silver bullet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope he told me that as they loaded me on the medevac, but uh, <laughs> that, that's something I will never know. <laughs> so beyond that, um, you know, one moment uh, does not define your entire life. And, you know, you and I have, uh, spoke about that. Um earlier and so you've you've done so much since then you made your recovery you've uh you know started a, a public speaking career you've you know attended all these events you've 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 really done so much uh since then i guess this is kind of a, a, a two-parter question uh what are you most proud of uh that you've accomplished since then and then uh transition that into you know what does the core uh do well and what do you think the Corps can do better? Uh, my most proud accomplishment, walking across the stage for graduation by mm -hmm. far. Because not only did I kind of suffer through, but also accomplish three years of recovery. But 
you know, when it came time for me to leave the hospital and really during my sophomore year, when I received the Medal of Honor, like, you know, the attention, the interviews, all that stuff came. But what also came that no one really knows about is so many people offered me jobs, like good, high paying jobs. You know, yes, of course, like I knew that a little bit was hopefully from my hard work, how I portrayed myself, what I had accomplished so far. But, you know, let's not kid ourselves. It, a big part of it was probably, you know, we want a Medal of Honor recipient working for our company and to be able to kind of put our name on you and you put your name on us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, another one, when I was in the hospital, I did a few internships while I waited on my med boards. And one of those was with the National Counterterrorism Center, which was an incredible internship. That's what geared my international relations major in school. You know, I love things like that. And, uh, you know, they offered me to stay on and, and just seamlessly transition into a full-time job and not just an internship. So with all of that said, you know, for four years, not only did I speak and travel and work and which made school that much harder, but I stuck to my guns and just the voice inside me and me alone. And I stuck with school because that degree, not only I told my parents I would do it. I had planned on doing it all through my service. I knew I would one day. It was very important to me and it was a priority. So uh, not not just accomplishing the schoolwork after three years in the hospital and almost dying, but to have stayed the course and to have earned that moment when so many things could have diverted me off of that path to not get that degree was and, like very powerful for me. Yeah, and uh, you know when you're when you're walking across that stage and you got your degree, um, I, I know that kind of had to be a you know, fulfillment of a lot of things. So, uh, did you get a degree in underwater basket weaving, or you know what what did you end up majoring in? Uh, I tried to get that. That major was actually full. So uh, yeah, it's only available <laughs> in San Diego State. And I mean, yeah, I went. Um, I majored in international relations. Yeah, and uh, which was an awesome degree like it was really it it gave me a lot of flexibility you know you just didn't have to take this math class or that history class you had a, a a wide range of options so i got to take things that really were interesting to me and, and you're also, setting yourself up to be an ambassador hey maybe maybe <laughs> you know i don't uh, i don't think i could i don't think i could full on at least right now uh, dive into the political side of things. You know, I know uh, an ambassador or something in State Department is obviously tied up in politics, but that's not, that's not, um, you know, that's not what it's focused or centered around completely. It's more about people relations and, and, and helping ties to countries. So I, you know, maybe one day. I, I'm I'm not ruling anything out. You know, I I know that speaking will kind of always be a part of my my purpose and my journey. But you know, at the same time, 
I don't want to just live a life of event to event. Yeah. You know, and, and even though I, I believe, and after 10 years, I feel like, you know, I do make an impact, but you know, to speak all the time and just cycle through groups, which I'm very, uh, like honored and humbled by, but it is tough to kind of always give and always convey lessons and always just like, you know, just be all there. And then you leave that event or I leave that event after three, four, 500 pictures talking to people. And then I go back to my quiet hotel room and it's like, I don't, I don't get to directly see the result or like the fruits of my labor, which I know they're there. It's just, and now after 10 years, well, really I got out of the hospital in 2013. So I've been like speaking and going hard for like seven years. Now it's really awesome because I'll run into people or people will be at my events and they'll say, Oh man, I heard you speak back in 2014. And what you said, I've carried with me every day since. Or like you got me through a really hard time or whatever it is. Or like this lady told me uh, one time, like, you know, I heard you speak one time and I started following your story after that. And she said, every morning uh, I look at your Facebook and it gives me the strength to get out of bed because I'm debilitated by rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. So just little things like that where it's like, wow, you know, to whatever capacity i am making an impact it's just time and patience to kind of see the ripple effects of that yeah and um we've uh we we, we talked about this a little bit you know because we, we you know not not nearly to that extent like when i go out to uh, events and speak i get like 12 pictures so um, i'm trying to get to your level but um you know we <laughs> yeah, do get messages what you wish for <laughs> <laughs> uh, i we, didn't know but your cheeks can cramp so watch out <laughs> <laughs> we uh you know we we do get a fair amount of messages of people who who say some extremely humbling things like you know you're the reason i i you know sought therapy or you're the reason i you know tried to foster a better relationship with my my family or this and it, it is it is a, a humbling experience, and we uh, we try to give and we give and we try to put out there. We try to better ourselves to be a better example for other people. And sometimes you know it does get a little overwhelming. Sometimes you you need some me time. Uh, sometimes you're having a bad day, and somebody will like I was on a run, and somebody was like, "Hey, pop smoke," and like I'm gasping. Like I, <laughs> every muscle awesome, is cramping, and you know I. You know, stopped and chatted, and I, I know these guys go through it too. And so, you know, the the Marine Corps really kind of instills that you know that givers mentality. That's you know, you're there for the team, you're there for other people. The people to the left and to the right matter more than you do. It has really shaped a lot of uh, how we live our life. But to ask that second part of the question, you know, what do you feel that the Marine Corps does well, and what do you think that the Marine Corps can do better? As a disclaimer, like, you know, this isn't attacking anyone. You know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but, you know, we, we can always know ourselves and seek self-improvement. So, you yeah, know, what, absolutely. Uh, what does the Marine Corps do well, and what do you feel the Marine Corps could do better? Well, if the Commandant or Sergeant Major hits me up after this, I'm coming after all of you. But, uh, <laughs> no, so many um, times we've been told that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, 
the first part is easy because what we do well, um, we've always done well. Uh, the attention to detail, the mentoring, the uh, just proficiency and efficiency and just the smallest of things, which eventually downrange you know, helps with the biggest of issues or problems or obstacles. And so, you know, we do so many things well, and I'm just, I'm forever thankful that, like, I earned the title of Marine and that I wore that uniform. And so uh, even if I spent the rest of today, I don't think I could hit on everything that I think we do well. But uh, I think our track record speaks for itself so uh but you know on what what we can improve or what we can do better or you know what i'm kind of seeing right now and i'm gonna tread lightly on this and i'm not going to get into specifics but uh i think we need to do a slightly better job of policing ourselves or each other when it comes to this new day and age of social media and whether it's talking about social media, whether it is deployed downrange, whether it is a Friday night in the barracks, no matter what I am doing, what I'm going through, the environment I'm in, the people I'm talking to, or when it comes to a social media post, I always try to ask myself and always keep like, an internal check by asking myself is what I'm doing, how I'm portraying the Marine Corps, am I doing it in a way that makes those that came before me proud? And I just think, uh, you know, I haven't seen anything that just like got my blood boiling or, uh, you know, that I just really hated. It's just, I'm starting to see things now where it's like, um, what, what you're doing in the uniform is more important. It seems to you than the uniform itself. And I just think we should yeah. always kind of keep that in mind. Yeah. Cause mm -hmm. Mike will, will do a whole podcast just on uh, his hate for people doing dumb stuff in uniform on TikTok. If you yeah, if you do stuff on uniform TikTok that offers stone stands, I will fight you on site. <laughs> okay, I hate I it. Mean, I hate I, it. <laughs> okay, that's me, well, that's Mike Sensei. <laughs> thanks for filling in where I yeah. I didn't want to elaborate too much. <laughs> exactly. That that, that, that was, is my views and my views alone. Yeah. That's <laughs> what Pop Smoke's TikTok needs to be. I'm gonna make a Pop Smoke TikTok, and that TikTok's gonna be all Mike fighting other people on TikTok. <laughs> that was like that Key and Pill episode where uh, uh, Obama had the anger. Uh, Lucius, yeah, the, the anger, anger trans translator. Yeah. yeah, the anger translator. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Kyle, your, I mean, your answer might get you, um, it might get you another challenge coin from the sergeant major. It was, it was, it was great. And Thanks, then Mike man. is just like, but as he was saying, I will yeah. fight you. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, um, hey, hey, one more thing, um, and I, I forgot to say this. I'm backtracking a little bit, but it is important. Uh, 
you know, talking about school and when I graduated, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that I've accomplished a lot since getting injured because so many people, whether it's organizations or individual people, interviews, you know, everything, I mean, understandably so revolves around those moments on the roof what I did, what I was thinking, how it went down, the Medal of Honor, all that. But school, when I walked across that, that graduation stage, you know, the Medal of Honor didn't help me with that. Meeting the president didn't help me with that. All the interviews didn't help me with that. You know, I got bad grades. I worried about the next exam like everyone else. So I just say that to, to kind of clarify that when I walked across that stage, it was something that not I alone, but I accomplished without those few moments that so many define me by. So I just wanted to add that, but I appreciate it. And uh, No, that was very well said. And I, I totally uh, agree with you. And I think uh, it's kind of a, an interesting dynamic because, you know, you, you, you get some sort of notoriety in the veteran space and then, you know, people start paying attention to you, whether, you know, it's getting a NAM in front of the formation or doing something on social media. Now, everything you do and everything you say is scrutinized in one yeah. way or another. And it, uh, it kind of gets to the point where once you do start getting more accomplishments and you stu- start getting more success and we, you know, we define success by happiness. It's not fame or money or accolades. It's, are you happy in what you're doing? And, and to us, we, you know, we've all agreed on this, that that is success, but it kind of gets to the point where I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I met with this person or I'm doing this interview and sometimes I kind of feel bad because I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. But in my heart of hearts, I'm still that Lance Corporal that gets excited because he got the uh, the brownie in his MRE. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you man, know? that's and, and, and you know, as y'all know, and how I feel, uh, you know, that's amazing. Th- those moments of support and like loving words and just, uh, you know, that you being genuine and you know, just uh, as a, as a fellow Marine, that means a lot, but you know, there's, there's a difference in what you just said, truly being thankful and genuine and, you know, kind of saying the same things, but from a not good or selfish place. Yeah. And I think that uh, something that the Marine Corps has taught me was that it's important to find that silver lining and to share moments of joy, you know, to help each other uh, stay motivated. Uh, that's uh, was nice. one of my favorite chapters in your book. And, and so it's like when you see something like, oh, hey, look, there's the barracks. And then the guy who had his head down on the run, you know, and maybe now he's got a little bit more motivation or like, hey, yeah, you know, we, uh, we got this or, you know, hot chow's coming or, you know, I got this uh, on the horizon. And to me, it's kind of like a way to, you know, rally the pack. Like, because if one of us succeed, then all of us succeed. Exactly. And it's kind of hard to find a, uh, a nice line between that and where does it come off like it sounds like you're bragging. And that's, that's, never, that's never the case when it comes from a genuine place, like you said. But I do agree that sometimes you can tell a difference when someone's doing it just to have the eyes on them versus out of genuinely being excited to accomplish something when you thought that you would have your last moment somewhere. 
Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Perfect. So I'll, I'll kick it over to these two guys, uh, see if they have any final questions and then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Awesome. I think one of the things I, I got the most out of both this interview and the parts of your book I've read. I haven't read all of it. I'll be, I'll be fair on that. I don't have a lot of free time and have me at work. No worries, man. I, I appreciate the honesty. Uh, I hope you enjoy it when you do, but uh, if not, just don't give me a review. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was sitting there, I was reading it. I got it on Amazon, right? So I'm sitting there reading it on, on my phone uh, in the tack maze, which has no AC or heat or insulation. And it's a hundred bajillion degrees in there. But, uh, one of, one of the things, that, and Dan was kind of touching on this a minute ago, but I think one of the things I get both from you know you and, and from the Marine Corps is that it helps you focus on the little things, the little victories, right? And finding happiness in small things. Like, you know, you, you've been out in the field and you've been getting absolutely, you know, getting your shit pushed in for however long, and they have the UGRE that you like, right? Mm-hmm. And so that small thing, like you get those turkey sausages in that breakfast M- UGRE and you're like, oh, hell yes. Turkey sausages, fucking A. Like your whole week could have been garbage. And you're just like, <laughs> you're just like breakfast is the shit. It came with that Texas Pete too. Ooh, I'm about to mess it up. Uh, you're trying my patience so hard. But uh, Dan and I have disagreements over hot sauce. Yeah. But like, Seriously, it's 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 finding those finding those small moments of of joy and pleasure that make your make your life seem so much better. And like hearing you talk about your accomplishments, and you say one of the most fulfilling and rewarding moments of your life was, you know, walking across that stage. And for me, I, I mean, of all the things you've accomplished, like that's the thing you earned. You put all your effort into it. You know, I I know there were nights where you're sitting there and you're trying to do papers and you just <laughs> rip your fucking hair out. And and you push through it, and you and you get you get the paper done, you get the grade, you get the the you get to walk across the stage and get that diploma, and and I think that's that's the the big takeaway for me is, you know, you you get out what you put in. And, Absolutely, and, and, and it, you're exactly right. It is those those little moments, and looking back, uh, it it was all of those little moments compounded over three years to which eventually led to me, you know, not only being able to leave the hospital, but being successful on this side of things. And uh, I was trying to think, I had one more thing I want to say about that, but uh, oh yeah, just how like amazing. I don't know if that's the right word, but like how like just great it is that, you know, when you go through that field op that couldn't get any more cold or miserable or hungry, or you make it back from that deployment, it's like your perspective and what you can handle or like the tools you have for life have exponentially increased. Like even though it was miserable going through it, you know, and, and this is anybody in life. You look back, and those moments that you didn't know or think you could make it through, those moments where you thought, there's no way I could experience any more pain, or there's no way I could take one more step on this hike. And you did that, and you pushed through that time 
it's like you have to have those to become better in life. And you also have to have those to be able to look back and say, you know, I, I took that next step or I crossed that finish line. I can do it again. Like, you know, you, you add resilience and character and perspective and all of those things, you know, after the trials and tribulations, you know, sometimes the hardest of times teach us the most beautiful of lessons, which I truly believe. And, you know, because of those hard times, you know, I can have the humor or I can see the silver linings or, you know, I can pull the smallest aspects of positivity out of a negative situation. And you don't know to do that or you don't know you can do that, you know, until you make it through those at times could be very small, but, but trying times. All right. Now that I'm about to cry, uh, Mike, (laughs) God, you always, yeah. All right. Uh, no, man, I got nothing left for you. I just wanted to say, uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for your sacrifice. And I also want to say thank you for sticking around, like sticking around, meaning being a voice for this, this, uh, this veteran population and active duty and those who come and gone. Um, you didn't have to, but it means a lot to me that you did. So thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And oh, can you say yeah. you're worth it to him? <laughs> Mike really <laughs> needs this. My lines, yeah, I really, I really uh, do. Mike, you're <laughs> worth it. You are worth it. Uh, man. Never forget thanks, it. If you uh, uh, if you're not following Kyle, correct yourself. Uh, you can find him <laughs> at Chick Stick Scars, uh, spelt with a K, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, anywhere else? No, nah, my LinkedIn is pretty trash. And... <laughs> Have you not started an OnlyFans yet? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not that desperate for money right now. Uh, you take the chino- uh, the peanut butter spread and just rubbing it on your abs. Like I'd pay for that. <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, funny talking about the ads this morning. Uh, I'm at my girlfriend's right now, and I'm gonna go help some family with some stuff tomorrow. But uh, yeah, we wake up, and uh, you know, kind of looking over the questions, and you know, not not getting too serious, just just get an idea of maybe what I'm how I'm gonna approach things. And she saw the ad question, and uh, she said, "Oh." <laughs> That is a really good question since you eat like a trash panda. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nobody craps on us in life more than the people who love us the most. Oh, yeah. oh, big time. <laughs> Daniel. No, and that's, that's a fair point because if, um, if you listen to any other shows, like you may not even think we were friends as hard as we roast each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. You yeah. know, with friends like these who needs enemies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are legitimate times where I feel like I'm going to say something to Mike and he's going to be like, I don't want to talk to you ever again. (laughs) I just don't like you as a person. That's very different. (laughs) See, at least that I can respect. No, see, I think both of those things are things you tell yourself in the mirror after you're too hungover. (laughs) I don't ever want to talk to you again. I don't like you as a person. Please, if you're listening to this, uh, go check out his book. Um, Even if you don't finish it, just buy it so he gets the money. (laughs) Which, uh, yeah, a funny, funny note on that. And I appreciate you giving the book a shout out, but, uh, you know, everyone thinks you write this best-selling book and the checks just start rolling in. Right. <laughs> I mean, I thought that until I was, I was severely hit with reality, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so like the book drops and in the publishing and book world, 
depending on how much they believe in your book, the publisher will give you an advance. And uh, obviously, the better the advance, the more comfortable you can be and the, the more you can focus just on writing and making the best product for you and them possible. Yeah. And so, uh, but with that said, obviously, they got to get theirs back. So once your advance uh, is paid off, then you start, you know, get, getting checks. So uh, about book dropped in October, let's say two or three months ago, I, uh, I get a envelope from HarperCollins. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, here it is. The advancement's paid off. About to be making it rain. <laughs> Open up the envelope. Please, someone humor me and, and guess how much my first best selling big ball and check was $274. See, now you're just depressing me even more. $127. <laughs> What? No way. No so way. Anyone listening? You got to write a lot of books to make a career. Yeah. Oh, wait, oh, did, did you go on Oprah yet? Oh, <laughs> getting in her book club. That, yeah. That, that would be top tier. But uh, nah, maybe uh, maybe once I hit that $200 mark, I can get Oprah <laughs> to pay me some. Money. I, I think we, we as the smoke pit are going to start like just tagging Oprah and all kinds of shit and being like, well, <laughs> see, our, uh, I, I don't think I've announced this on the show yet, but for the last year, I've randomly been tagging uh, Barack Obama and things like we're close you personal friends. Oh, it's longer than yeah. the last year. I yeah. remember this because I was like, why are you, why are you tagging President Obama in that? And you're yeah. like, one day. And so it'll be like something like a recipe and I'll be like, oh, you remember when we made this or whatever? <laughs> and my goal is that eventually like Ellen DeGeneres finds out about this, brings me on the show and then Obama jumps out of the box uh, in between the host stand. Man. So that, that's my goal. Uh, yeah. that, that's made right there. <laughs> yeah. Have made it. But uh, no, nah, that's, that's really funny, man. Hey, you know, outside of the box tactics, twenty <laughs> more than ever, but uh yeah. Hey, another note, uh, final note, but about the book, uh, two things. The first is I just like to put it out there and encourage people to not automatically assume it's just a military book or a book about combat. Like that's actually a small part of it, I would say. And so, you know, I just, a lot of people have said like, ah, you know, could I understand it? Could I relate to it? And so I want to put that out there. And also, you know, if you if you're more of a listener, uh, I actually read the audio book, which I think a lot of people don't know. And actually, it was one of by far the hardest things I've ever done. But it's uh, yeah, that's what I listen to. And you have that uh, that nice southern drawl that is comforting and helps you fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah, it's a nice personal touch. You know, people people uh, have told me they really enjoyed it. So I just wanted to put it out there a lot of people think that all audiobooks are just like someone that's hired or but i suffered through it so <laughs> and and we can appreciate that because i'll tell you dan dan listens to a lot of audiobooks mm-hmm. i i have tried it and a lot of times you'll have you'll, you'll have the guys who are either hired or like some voice actors doing it and they try to do voices for characters and stuff and it just it ruins it i can't i can't do it so to have the person whose experience is being relayed relate to me in their own voice like that's i can i can that's something i can do nice. that 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 brings an extra level to it that i mm-hmm. i can appreciate 
Yeah, well cool. said. I, I can totally vouch for that. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, bye. Hi, guys. <laughs> if you have a batshit crazy story that you want us to read on the show, shoot us an email at info at popsmokemedia.com. Also, check out our social media. You can shoot us DMs there. Stay up to date on all the latest Smoke Pit news. Also, check out our merchandise at popsmokemedia.com. Give this podcast five stars. We'd appreciate it. And share it with your friends. 